In 2018, abortion was legalized in Ireland. What's happened since then? Stay tuned to find out. Activist Radio, The Mark Harrington Show, is brought to you by Created Equal. And you can support our work by going to markharringtonshow.com and click on the donate link. So today we're going to be discussing what's happening in Ireland, what happened in 2018, and what is happening today. Uh, And we're also going to be talking about, in the second half of the program, some breaking news about the Sanctuary Cities for the Unborn. Uh, the second one here in the state of Ohio. So we're going to bring you some breaking news there in the second half of the program. So you want to stick around for the entire broadcast today on the Mark Harrington Show. So in 2018, Ireland's parliament legalized abortion when the Eighth Amendment was repealed or removed from the Irish Constitution. Many of us in the United States were following this very closely. I was as well. We helped to sponsor some missionaries to go over to Ireland to help try to to uh, to stop the um, this uh, the legalization of abortion. Unfortunately, uh, that failed. And now abortion is legal after 12 weeks in the country of Ireland. Uh, today on the episode, I have as my guest Niamh Vrian from Ireland. She is the uh, director of the Life Institute. Nia, thanks for being on the program today. Thanks for having me on. It's great to have you. Uh, you know, we've heard a lot about your work. We have a mutual friend, Jonathan Van Maren, from the Canadian Center for Bioethical Reform. Yeah. He was very involved in that effort in Ireland as well and has been staying in touch with you folks over there. And we appreciate all your hard work. And I just wanted to bring people up to speed here in America after the 2018 uh, legalization of abortion and the Eighth Amendment being removed from the Irish Constitution, you know, we don't hear a lot of news now from Ireland, of course, right? Because that was the big thing, the big vote. Yeah. And of course, we were praying and working that it wouldn't happen, but it did. What I want to do is, is kind of go back and, and, and go back through that a little bit. The first question I want to ask you, and this is something that was very hard for us to take in America when we saw a historically Catholic country, two-thirds of, of Irish people uh, claim to be Catholic, yet they voted to remove protections for the unborn. This was very shocking to us. I mean, we were like, wow, uh, how does that happen in a country that's predominantly Catholic? So there's a lot of interesting questions you've raised there, Mark. And I suppose just to give people some context, in, in 1983, uh, the Irish people had voted by a two-to-one majority to insert a league, what was the, called the Eighth Amendment. This was a constitutional protection for the right to life of the unborn child. And it was, it was an amazing thing. And the people who achieved that in 1983, to their credit, saved hundreds of thousands of lives. Um, and we know that by looking at the abortion rate in Ireland, the number of women traveling abroad for abortions and comparing that to other European countries, especially Britain, that huge numbers of lives were saved by the Eighth Amendment. And then in 2018, after decades of persistent campaigning, 
by, if you like, the global abortion movement, when you had the big players all involved here, focusing in Ireland for decades, Planned Parenthood, the Centre for Reproductive Rights, funding coming in from George Soros, from Chuck Feeney, from abroad, mm-hmm. relentlessly attacking the Eighth Amendment and insisting that abortion and, and campaigning and funding campaigns here in Ireland for the repeal of the Eighth Amendment. And I suppose what's interesting maybe for people to realize is that you know for a long long time ireland you know stood the line they held the line against a culture that had overtaken almost every other country in the western world and in doing so mm-hmm. it saved hundreds of thousands of lives and then you had some if you like tipping points that were massively exploited by the media here who were the real campaigners for abortion with 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 kind of international global movement and um, using cases like Savita Halepanavis which was a very tragic death to try to to really bully and use fear to persuade the Irish people that abortion should be legalized and that the AIDS should be repealed. And as you said, in May 2018, in what one activist called you know, the most shameful day in, our, in Ireland's history, the people voted by a two to one majority to reverse what they had previously decided and to remove the constitutional protection from the unborn child uh, from the Irish constitution. And I suppose that raises two issues really, Mark, and that's what, probably what we're going to come to next when we talk about the documentary and what happened in the referendum. And one is that really Ireland, I suppose, fell to a culture that has overtaken the rest of the world. You know, if you had that vote in most Western countries, as Jonathan von Maron actually said to me once, you probably wouldn't get, you know, 66, 32, you'd probably get 80, 20, because the abortion culture takes root once it's established anywhere. But we need to look to at what happened in, in Ireland in particular in relation to this referendum, big tech interference, the use of false narratives in the referendum and the role the media came, uh, the role the media uh, played in changing people's minds on abortion. Well, I remember the uh, the battle on that, and I remember a lot of accusations being levied against American pro-life groups <laughs> <laughs> funding the effort to to uh, you know keep abortion illegal in the country. Uh, I don't know if that actually was true. I don't believe there were a lot of American money. If any American money was being used, it was being used by big tech organiz- uh, companies like Facebook and stuff. If you would, tell, tell us what happened there, because we're now used to that in America. We saw that in the 2020 elections yeah. where big tech con- companies went on the side of Joe Biden. They claimed to be just voter education, but they were clearly partisan and supporting Joe Biden. And I think it it did a lot to tip the scales here in the United States. How is it that big tech can can can, you know, pump all that kind of money into a effort to uh, legalize abortion in Ireland and get away with it? Yeah, well, so there was really two things that happened. Firstly, for years, you know, before Facebook even became a thing, you had um, people like Chuck Feeney funding groups in Ireland that were pushing for abortion. And I'm talking tens of millions coming into the country to fund campaigns for social change in Ireland. And in a country this size, that makes an enormous difference. And you had no such funding coming in. But don't you guys have strict rules on this stuff? That's the thing I thought that you had. 
Yeah, we were meant to. So we were meant to have SIPRO rules, which which regulate how much money can be spent during referendum. But this money was coming in before the referendum was called. And money came in also, as we said, from Chuck, Chuck, uh, um, from George Soros. And then huge players like the Centre for Reproductive Rights were taking Ireland to court at the, at the United Nations, etc., to push for change. But one of the things, I know we're going to move to the documentary now in a minute, yeah. Mark. One of the things that Tim Jackson reveals in the documentary was the role of big tech. And some of this was obvious in the referendum, in that Google, for example, decided to shut down all advertising for the referendum ahead of the vote. And the timing of this announcement was particularly important, because if you look at the polling before the referendum, you see that the yes vote started to slip, and it slipped, and it slipped, and two weeks out of the vote, it slipped below 50% in the polls. And you know, we know from referendums in this country that when the yes vote go, goes below 50% that everything is down to the wire. And at that crucial juncture, when we had all of our messaging ready to go for the last two week blitz on YouTube and Google, Google shut down the, the they shut down all advertising, but everybody knew the yes side, the abortion campaigners, they didn't need Google. They didn't need to advertise on Google because they already had the entirety of the media, of the Irish media in their pockets actively campaigning for a yes vote so that well, was it's just that was like important. it is in the united states unfortunately we deal with the same problem we have the you fake do. news here as well that is almost entirely pro-abortion it's very yeah. hard to, to break through and get the message about uh pro-life so we're, again we're talking with neev evrian from ireland she's with the life institute and you can go to lifeinstitute.net to find out more I'd like to transition to the documentary that you have just mm -hmm. released uh, on the uh, the Ireland uh, vote and what has happened since then. Why did you feel the need to actually create this this video, uh, this documentary, um, Nia? Well, I think one of the things that's really important, and actually something Jonathan Van Maren said too, because he's written a wonderful book called Patriots about Ireland and about right. the referendum, about the history of protecting life here. But one of the things Jonathan always says is that we should write our own history. That the pro-life movement needs yeah. to record what accurately and truthfully what happened in relation to the culture wars. That was one reason. And the other reason, I suppose, was that things started to emerge after the referendum more evidence of big tech interference things be, when you pull together the strands of media how the media spun false narratives how big tech interfered we realized this was a story that needed to be told and needed to be heard so for example when tim jackson started to look more closely as something that had been re revealed by project veritas and you know james o'keefe from project veritas over there they um had they looked at they found a blacklist that had been drawn up by Google during the abortion referendum in Ireland. And on that blacklist were Life Institute, Save the Eighth, pro, all the pro-life searches, maternal mortality, Savita, there were also pro-abortion um, websites and terms on that blacklist. But he, this was a thing that most people didn't realize. When you Googled then, either using a pro-life or a pro-abortion term, you went to the website that Google wanted you to see. So in the last two weeks, when people were looking for the truth about maternal mortality, about women's safety, about what the new abortion regime would mean, they weren't going to the sites which were actually telling the truth about it. They were going to 
they were being their search was being manipulated to go somewhere that Google wanted them to see. And this was like a really shocking evidence of big tech interference. And Tim, as I said, I know we haven't time to go through the whole documentary here. He 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 talks to Robert Epstein, the Professor Robert Epstein, who's an expert on this, about how fla- how Facebook issues mess- go vote messages to certain this is what they've done in other countries. They've issued go vote messages to certain sectors of the voting public to encourage them to come out and vote in a certain way. So it's a documentary, I think, that gathers together the strands of the story that needed to be told for people to understand exactly what happened in Ireland. And I think a lot of your listeners, Mark, will find this intriguing because one of the things Tim looks at is how the advent of social media initially was a huge kick to the establishment. You had Brexit happening. You had Donald Trump's election in the US. You had voices rising up in Poland and Hungary and Italy, which which were contrary to the elite, which were contrary to the establishment. And you had a backlash against that. And what Tim, I think, presents very well is the evidence that shows that Ireland was like a testing ground for what was going to happen in the next election in the United States in regard to Donald Trump. And you had Google and Facebook, these huge platforms with who have enormous power, seeing how far they could interfere with the democratic process. And I think they learned from that and went on to election 2020 in your country. Well, there's no question about that. Even more evidence is coming out uh, almost every day on how they're influencing American politics. And they've influenced the 2020 elections in America. And unfortunately, uh, I'm afraid we're, we're going to be seeing that in you know our midterms and even in 2024. Again, my guest today is Niamh Evrian, and she is the pre- uh, director of the Life Institute. And you can find out more by going to thelifeinstitute.net. You can find the documentary there as well. And it's entitled... Uh, what is it? Okay, it's entitled Ireland's Fall, the Abortion Deception. So once again, go to thelifeinstitute.net and you can watch that video right on the website, Ireland's, Ireland's Fall, the Abortion Deception. I think this is really important not only to understand what happened in Ireland, but what's happening globally as it relates to the abortion movement. And here in the United States, we deal with some of the same issues as they did in Ireland. So, Aniev, let's uh, let's talk about what's happened since the uh, legalization of abortion in Ireland. Uh, what the pro-life movement has been doing. What what has happened since abortion's been legalized? You know, I'm sure they painted it as this is going to be great for women, mm. uh, liberation for women, uh, you know, in, in all of that. How has it worked out so far for them, for the other side, if that, if you will? Well, if you like, a lot, almost everything they claimed would happen has been shown to be a lie, because you had what a surprise! What a surprise! So you had <laughs> campaigners, including, including like our president at the time, the Taoiseach, assuring voters because vo- voters didn't want abortion to become a common thing and everybody knew that everybody knew right. that voters were concerned about a rise in the number of abortions about becoming like other jurisdictions in europe especially our nearest neighbor britain where now then then one in five babies were being aborted now one in four are being aborted so you, we had the 
Taoiseach, the president of the country, assuring voters that abortions would be rare. And what we saw when abortion was legalized at the rate immediately, like shockingly shot up. And in the now first they're just year, banned up to 12 weeks, right? Not beyond? Or is that changed? No, you, it is abortion for any reason. Abortion on demand up to 12 weeks. And then later term abortions where the baby has a severe disability or where a doctor says that there's a risk of an, a medical emergency, including uh, psychiatric cause. Which so, inclu- means that abortion can be way beyond. They can have abortions way oh, beyond. Oh, yeah. The for severe body. disability, you can have abortion up to birth now in Ireland. And well, we know same from with happening in the United States. Yeah. And we know from some studies that the same horrific outcomes that you're seeing are happening here and started happening immediately. We had a paper published from University College Cork, published in the British Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology, saying that doctors didn't know what to do if babies survived late-term abortions and were left begging for help. We had a doctor saying that providing late-term abortions in Ireland felt like they were stabbing the baby in the heart. The numbers shot up in the first year. This is one of these horrible numbers that actually grabbed a lot of attention. You had 6,666 abortions, a doubling of the abortion rate. The next year was almost the same. And we've just put up a whole national billboard campaign saying to people, 13,243 abortions in two years is not rare. And we're urging people to join us now in, in, in a national campaign, urging politicians to rethink abortion and urging the public too, including many yes voters, many people who voted for abortion with a heavy heart, who did so because they were bullied into doing so by threats that women would die and things, you know, things like untrue claims and threats like that if abortion wasn't legalized. Many of those now are looking at these shocking outcomes and thinking this is dreadful. And one more thing, if I may, Mark, for years, Ireland without abortion was a very, very safe place for women to be pregnant. We had one of the lowest maternal mortality rates in the world. In other words, very, very few women died in this country during birth or pregnancy. And uh, we are seeing now that women are dying in our maternal healthcare systems of sepsis, of lack of good care, in precisely or perhaps in an increased numbers than they did before the eighth was repealed. So everything that the Yes campaign said, that women would be safe, that abortion would be rare, that late abortion wouldn't happen, they're all now being shown to be a lie. And I'd love if people went on, you can find the abortion deception, Ireland's fall, the abortion deception under Life Institute, on YouTube, on Vimeo, Twitter, and Facebook. It'd be great to have you watch it. My guest has been Leif E. Vian, and she is with the Life Institute in Ireland. And we've been talking about the um, legalization of abortion in Ireland in 2018 and what's happened since then. Aliyah, thanks for being on the program, and we will continue to be praying for you and your efforts there in Ireland. God bless. Thank you. God bless. All right, folks. Again, you can go to thelifeinstitute.net and pick up and watch the uh, documentary, which is entitled Ireland's Fall, the Abortion Deception, which will lay out the the history of of, uh, the legalization of abortion in Ireland leading up to the 2018 uh, removal of the, uh, the, the amendment, the Eighth Amendment from the Irish Constitution and what's happened since. So again, that is the lifeinstitute.net. Now I want to switch gears here a little bit and talk about some breaking news that came out of our own home state here. That is Ohio. We've been involved in the Sanctuary Cities for the Unborn effort. 
And we have uh, been able to, for now, uh, we have the second sanctuary city in the city of Mason that passed the ordinance on Monday night. And this is huge news because it's the second in Ohio. It is now the 41st in the country. And Ohio uh, is now numbered along with Texas and Nebraska as the only states that have passed these sanctuary cities for the unborn. And when we were there on Monday night, the vote came down four to three in favor of the uh, sanctuary cities ordinance. That means within th in 30 days, this will actually go into effect. Now, there is a chance that this will go to a referendum. This will go to the ballot. In other words, it could be taken to the voters if the... Um, if there are enough signatures gathered within those 30 days. So uh, we're not out of the woods yet in Mason, um, but for for now, anyway, this this passed on Monday night, four to three. And I just want to thank the uh, the four votes there in Mason, uh, the mayor, the vice mayor, uh, council mem members that voted uh, to ban abortion within the city li limits of Mason. Uh, the bottom line is this. All seven members claim to be Republicans and pro-life, believe it or not. Three of those made excuses as to why they weren't going to ban abortion in their own city. Go figure, right? We've got rhinos and we've got plinos. That is pro-life in name only as well, unfortunately. And it was very hard to listen to the those who claim to be pro-life say they weren't going to protect the unborn in their own cities. But we are thankful for the four that did, took the courage, had the courage to stand up and do the right thing, take jurisdiction over their own city and pass the Sanctuary Cities for the Unborn Ordinance. And that makes it the second in the state of Ohio. So what I want to do here in the time that we have left is I want to play a short clip. This is my testimony before the city council on Monday night. I tried to boil it down to two issues. That is the Biden administration and the threat so-called of lawsuits. So go ahead and play that clip. Thank you. Thank Next you. up is Mark Harrington. All right. Good evening. Thank you for having me. My name is Mark Harrington. I'm the president of Created Equal. We're based out of Columbus, Ohio, and I reside at... I just want to quickly address one of the, a couple of the uh, um, arguments that have been made by the uh, pro-abortion side. The first is this. Many say that there's no abortion clinic in Mason. And I say, well, that's kind of the point, isn't it? We want to prevent it from happening here. And I think council recognizes that. On January 22nd this year, 2021, President Joe Biden said that he wanted abortion access in every zip code in America. We believe him. We believe him. I think council believes him. And that's why they're taking this preventative action. So that's the reason you don't want abortion clinics in Mason. The other issue is they say, well, what about the lawsuits? Well, first of all, there has not been a successful lawsuit. The only lawsuit that was brought against the ordinance was in Lubbock, Texas, and it wasn't over the, the merits of, the, law, uh, of the, the ordinance itself. It was over something else, 
and it was dismissed by the ACLU. To date, there has not been one successful lawsuit against the ordinance. And here's the reason why there's not going to be any more likely. Because Dobbs v. Jackson, the U.S. Supreme Court is about this close to overturning Roe v. Wade. And if and when they do, there will be no reason for a lawsuit, I can tell you that. There will be no reason. And even more reason why states and cities like Mason need to take ownership over their own communities. Because when Roe is gone, it's up to you. You can't lean on the Supreme Court anymore. It's a state and local issue. So I urge you to pass this uh, and protect Mason from abortion. Thank you. All right. So that was my testimony in front of the city council in the city of Mason, who voted four to three on Monday night to ban abortion within its jurisdiction and became the second sanctuary city for the unborn. Uh, now we have 41 across the country. And this is a movement that's catching fire. It's catching steam. And I'm going to exhort you to take action today. If you want a sanctuary city in your own city for the unborn and you live in the state of Ohio, then please go to unbornsanctuarycities.com. That's unbornsanctuarycities.com. And let us know that you're interested in helping getting this done in your own city. Just fill out the questionnaire there. There'll be a couple of questions, and then you can send that off to us, and we'll be in touch with you to try to work to get your city to be a sanctuary city for the unborn and protect your city from abortion. So go to unbornsanctuarycities.com. If you are listening to the sound of my voice or watching the program and you don't live in the state of Ohio, you live in one of the other states in the country, you can just simply go to SanctuaryCitiesForTheUnborn.com. That's the national website and fill out a similar um, a similar questionnaire there as well, a petition, and the national organization will be in touch. So once again, Unborn Sanctuary Cities for the Unborn, if you want to uh, support the Sanctuary Cities for the Unborn uh, effort across America and in the state of Ohio. So we'll see you next time. God bless you. God bless America. And remember America to bless God. You've been listening to Mark Harrington, your radio activist. For more information on how to make a difference for the cause of life, liberty, and justice, go to createdequal.org. To follow Mark, go to markharringtonshow.com. Be sure to tune in next time for your marching orders in the culture war.